this morning from the New Testament Scriptures. So we're going to read just a few verses, please, from Philippians chapter 4. We're in Philippians chapter 4, just at the end of the chapter. Philippians chapter 4. Beginning at verse 10. And we'll read down to the end. Philippians 4 verse 10. Let's hear the word of the Lord. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding ye have well done that he did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia that no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again, unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odour of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And the Lord will add his blessing uh, to this the public reading of his word. Let's just pray together as we come to the scriptures. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the blessing of being in thy house today. Thank you for health and strength that allows us to be here. We thank you, Father, for the desire in our hearts that has brought us to the house of God. We pray that we'll never lose that burden, that we'll never lose that desire. We pray that it will always be with us as it was with the psalmist, that we will say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up out of the house of the Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to renew fellowship uh, with the Reverend Kimbrough and his wife, the congregation uh, here in Winston-Salem, we want to commit this congregation into your hands. We pray for your blessing 
to rest mightily upon the witness here. We remember that the scriptures tell us that you're the one that gives the increase. We want to ask, ask Father, that you'll add to this congregation, even as we have been considering a little earlier, we pray to thee, the Lord of the harvest, that you'll send forth laborers. Lord, send others into this church uh, to encourage and strengthen uh, the hands of your servants here. Bless our brother in his ministry, endue him with power. We pray that you'll use him this year in the winning of souls. And we pray that you'll show him tokens for good. We think of his labors too, uh, in the seminary and we want to pray father give our brother much fruit uh, for his labors remember the reverend bowman and Lydia's they're down uh, in phoenix at this time use our brother there we pray father that he might be like barnabas uh, in his ministry among those folk may he be the son of exhortation may he be an encourager of the lord's people and we want to pray that you'll guide with regard to that congregation for the future <coughs> We pray it might please thee, Father, even to send the labourer, send the new minister soon uh, to take up the pulpit uh, ministry uh, in that place. We commit ourselves to thee now. Abide with us. We pray for an, an Emmaus Road experience this morning. We ask that Jesus himself will draw near and go with us. Lord, answer these our cries. Endure us now with power and come and speak to all our hearts uh, from your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Philippians 4.19, please, is our text uh, this morning. Just for a few minutes. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The theme of our message, our Bible study this morning, is a promise of provision. And that, brethren and sisters, is what we have here in this verse of Scripture that is uh, before us. Mr. Spurgeon, whenever he opened the orphanage, uh, the orphanage ministry in London, whenever he opened the building, he got the stonemasons to put this verse, this text of Scripture, on the pillars of the doors of the orphanage. Whenever he thought of the great needs uh, the daily needs uh, of those children, whenever he thought of the great needs of that orphanage ministry, he was encouraged uh, by this promise of provision uh, from the Word of God. You think of the days in which we live, days in which prices are increasing, in some cases prices increasing dramatically, the markets are uncertain, there's no financial security. Maybe at this time, you're afraid. You're afraid for the future. You're afraid for your own family. Afraid for your children. Maybe afraid for your own livelihood. Perhaps even afraid for the work of God. You're asking questions such as, how will we be able to live? How will we get by? How will we be able to pay the bills? How as a family will we be able to keep going in the days that, that lie before us? Well here, brethren and sisters, is a promise from God's word. A promise to encourage your hearts. A promise to encourage the heart of everyone uh, for the way ahead. A promise that God gives to us of his provision for us as his people. My God shall supply all your need 
according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So I want us to think just for a few minutes about the provision that's promised uh, to us here in this verse of God's word. Let me emphasize to you first the source of the provision. The verse says, my God shall supply all your need. Paul begins with the Lord. And can I emphasize to you, brethren and sisters, that that's vital. Paul's setting us a very good example here. What he's saying is that when times are hard, when the days are uncertain, what you need to do is look to the Lord himself. There was a Baptist pastor in Northern Ireland a number of years ago, Ivan Thompson. He was greatly used as an evangelist. As a young man, uh, after he got converted, he was coming out of a meeting one evening, and there was a, an older man, a godly, respected saint of God in that church who was standing in the foyer of the church. He thought he would take the opportunity to speak with him and ask him for a little bit of advice as a, as a Christian, as a new convert. And the old man simply replied in the words of the hymn, O pilgrim bound for the heavenly land, never lose sight of Jesus. Ivan was a little bit disappointed. He had expected more uh, from this old saint of God. But he said as the years went by and all the experiences of life that he had went through, he realised the wisdom, how succinctly that dear old saint of God had put it uh, to him. That's an important bit of advice for us all, brethren and sisters. O pilgrim bound for the heavenly land, never lose sight of Jesus. So whatever your circumstances may be today, I want to exhort you to look to the Lord, especially look to the Lord uh, to provide for you and for your family. Paul's saying here, don't look to me, don't look to the church, don't even look to the government. Remember, the Lord can use men, the Lord can use institutions, and he will. But ultimately, he is the one who will provide uh, for you. So I encourage you, what you need to do is get your eyes on the Lord. And I exhort you to do that as you're found in God's house, meditating upon his word this morning. I exhort you to get your eyes upon uh, the Lord. Remember what I said a little earlier? There are many things that we can do without in life. There's many things that we can do without, even in the work of God. Uh, things that the world thinks are essential. But remember, brethren and sisters, we can never do without him. We can never do without uh, the Lord. And as you think of the Lord this morning, remember that he's a powerful God. The text says, my God. Remember, he is the Almighty. There is nothing, let me underline that word, there is nothing that is too hard for him. Amen. Do you remember the word that we sometimes use to describe the Lord? He's omnipotent. Just get a hold of that today. That means that there's no limitations. Absolutely none. No limitations to the power of our God. Think of what Paul said writing to the Ephesian believers. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Do you see the strength of the wording there? The build up of words. He didn't just say that he's able to do he went much further. And we know the Lord is able. 
and he's able to do the things that we ask. But he's able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we could ask. So you think of your greatest requests, you think of your biggest petitions, he's able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that you could ask. And he goes even further and says, even what you can think. So your greatest dreams, that's the things that you wouldn't want to mention. You might be afraid to say to others. So be encouraged uh, by that today, brethren and sisters. Remember, our God can do miracles. He fed the 5,000 with just two little fishes and five loaves of bread. Remember that he fed Elijah at the brook Kerith with the ravens. They brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh again in the evening. That's the first home delivery service that ever was recorded. But he did a miracle in feeding and providing uh, for the Lord's servant. He's a powerful God. And remember, he's still the same. No change, Jehovah knows. He will do the same for you today. He will display his power to supply your need at this time as well. He's a powerful God. But notice as well that he's a providing God. My God shall supply all your need. Sometimes those in business talk about their suppliers. Well, God is our supplier. God is our giver. When Paul was preaching on Mars Hill, he says he gives to us life and breath and all things freely to enjoy. Just take in that. The breadth of what he's saying there. The life you have. The breath that you breathe. Everything that you experience in this world. It comes uh, from his hand. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord that sees. And he is the Lord that provides. And let me point out. Let me emphasize. That he can provide for you in ways that. You never think are possible. If you think of the story of Elijah again. After he left the brute Kerith, the Lord took him up to, to Zarephath, to the home of the widow woman. Do you remember the woman? She had just a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil. She had only enough to make one final meal, the last supper for her and her son. She had gone out to gather the sticks. And yet that was the place the Lord sent Elijah to. That was the place where the Lord said he was to go to, where the Lord was going to provide him. The woman could hardly provide for herself, but God did a miracle. He provides in ways and in places that you never think are possible. You think of David Brainerd, the famous missionary to the, the Indians here of North America. On one occasion, he was on one of his missionary trips in quite a remote place. A very severe storm broke upon him at that time. He had to take shelter. The only place that he could find shelter was in a tree that had fallen and the trunk of that tree had been hollowed out. So for three days, that, that was his dwelling place as that storm was passing over. Getting some water was no difficulty. There was plenty of water that was falling, but the food was a little bit more of a challenge. He couldn't go out. The storm was so severe. But he records that during the time he was in that hollowed out log, that hollowed out tree trunk, that every day, at least once, sometimes more, a little squirrel appeared at the end of the trunk. 
And it just sat there for a little while, you know, uh, muttering the way a squirrel would do. And then it went off. And every time it went off, it had left behind it a little pile of nuts. It was just like Elijah at the brook. The Lord was overruling in his sovereignty to provide for his servant. That happened every day while he was there taking shelter from that storm. I want you to see he can provide in ways that you never think are possible. You know one of the great lessons that we need to learn, brethren and sisters, is the greatness of our God. You need to get a vision. You need to get, need to get a hold of that great truth today. That's a vital lesson. Never forget every day that you live upon this earth, God is greater than all of our needs. Your need may be great. Maybe your need is a congregation. I don't doubt that for one moment that your need is great. But remember, he is greater still. The greatness of our God. So the, the source of the provision. Notice as well the sureness of the provision. The text goes on to say, My God shall supply all your need. Notice the word there, shall. Can I emphasize to you, there's no uncertainty in this provision. There's no question. There's not a doubt about it. There may be uncertainty as we look out upon this world. Great uncertainty in the financial markets. Uncertainty in the price of food. Uncertainty in the economy. Uncertainty in the political situation. Maybe uncertainty in your life, your job, your circumstances. Maybe uncertainty in your business. Uncertainty in the church. And as far as the future is concerned, so much uncertainty. But remember, there's no uncertainty with God. And there's no uncertainty with God's provision. And there's no uncertainty with God's promise that he has recorded for us in his word. The promise, brethren and sisters, is sure. Remember that the Bible says, Paul writing to the Corinthians in his second epistle, that the promises of God in him, that is in Christ, are yea and amen to the glory of God the Father. What that means is you can trust, you can depend upon every promise of God that's found in the book. It's not that he's saying here that he might provide for you or he'll do his best to provide for you. Sometimes somebody might ask you for a little bit of help and you say, I'll do my best to be there. I'll do my best to help. That's not what the Lord's saying to us. He's not saying he'll do his best. It's not, he's not saying to us that he'll try to provide. He says he shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. So be encouraged today. God will provide the needs of his people. What we're talking about today is something that is sure. The only uncertainty, brethren and sisters, is in our hearts. Our faith, it's our faith that wavers. James said, when we're praying for wisdom, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. We do waver. We do doubt. At times our hearts are full of unbelief. At times we can identify with the man that's recorded, spoken about in the New Testament. Remember the dilemma he had, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. What we need to do is pray. 
and ask the Lord to increase our faith. And especially ask the Lord to increase our faith in the promises of his word. So the sureness of uh, the provision. Notice in the third place the subjects of the provision. The text says, My God shall supply all your need. So think of this question for a moment. Who is Paul speaking to here? Who is this provision for that he's talking about setting out for us here in this text? What I want to make clear to you, brethren and sisters, is that it's not for everyone. And it's not for every Christian. In fact, it's wrong for every Christian to think that they can claim this promise because they can't. Maybe that's something that you have never realized, never considered, never thought about before. I want to stress to you, this is a promise for the giver, for those who can be described as givers, those who give to God's work, those who give faithfully and generously uh, to the work of God and to the support of the ministry of the gospel. If you look at verse 16, to help set the promise in its context, he says there, For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. So who is Paul speaking to here? He's speaking to those who were his liberal givers, or those who were liberal givers. He's speaking to those who were his faithful financial supporters. They had given, in fact, it would be more accurate to say that they had repeatedly given. They had sacrificially given to help and to support Paul in his missionary labours. So I make it clear to you, this is a promise for the giver. He's saying to these people, as you have supplied my needs by your generosity, in return, God will supply your needs. It's the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. The New Testament says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and running over, will the Lord give into your bosom. That's also a promise for uh, the giver. So here's the reality, brethren and sisters. If you're one of those people that's tight with your money, the money that you give to God and to his work, if you don't pay your tithe, if you don't support God's servants, if you don't support as you should, and in the proper extent that you should, the work of the gospel, then you can't claim, you can't claim this promise that's found in Philippians 4, uh, verse 19. The subjects of God's provision. The fourth thing I'll emphasize in the text is the scope of, of the provision. The verse says, My God shall supply all your need. Just take a moment and think of that. You know when you read the Psalms, there's that little word Selah. It's a pause. When you find that word Selah, what the Lord wants you to do is just stop and ponder what you've just read. Sometimes our reading of the scriptures can be too hasty, too hurried. So just take a moment and think of that. All your need. Just take that in. That, brethren and sisters, is the breadth of the promise that God gives to us here as his people. There was in this country, maybe a hundred years ago, a little over it, 
a famous Presbyterian minister and an evangelist, uh, J. Wilbur Chapman. I'd encourage you to read his life story if you've never done that. Mr. Chapman uh, served as an apprentice in evangelism under the great uh, D.L. Moody. In one of the churches that he pastored at the time, Mr. Chapman and his family experienced a, a very deep uh, bereavement. Uh, a close friend had passed away. You can, ex you can imagine just how that affected him, the grief, the sorrow. So the church decided they would give him a little bit of time off. He could travel out west. He could visit with some friends, some family out there. Why he recovered uh, just from this great blow from the loss that they'd experienced. Before he left on that trip, one of the elders of the church came to see him. The elder was a banker. They spent a little bit of time in fellowship. Then the elder got up to leave. They were standing at the door speaking together. And just before the elder slipped out the door, he, he reached out his hand, shook hands with Mr. Chapman, and he pushed a little bit of paper into J. Wilbur Chapman's hand. Mr. Chapman opened the bit of paper and looked at it. To his amazement, it was a blank check. His name was written on the check, but no amount was filled in. He said to the banker, Do you mean to tell me that you're giving me a blank check to take with me on my travels? The banker replied, yes, we, we didn't know how much you might need. And we wanted you to be able to draw any amount that you would need to cover all of your expenses on this trip. Imagine that. A blank check. You know, the most striking thing about that story is that Wilbur Chapman never used the check on his trip, on his journeys at that particular time. But I tell you that story to illustrate, brethren and sisters, that is what God gives to us here. He gives to us a blank check. He's saying to you, all your need. There's no limit that is placed upon the promise. It is literally that he will fill to the full all of your need. You think of the widow of one of the prophets in the Old Testament. Remember after his death, she and the family was in debt. And Elisha instructed her to get as many vessels as she could and they poured the oil into the vessels and the oil filled every vessel. Well, that's the same idea that's been given to us here. God's provision will meet. God's provision will fill every need uh, that you have. It will meet your financial needs. The food, the clothing, the fuel, the energy, all the expenses of life. Every financial need that you have is included here in this promise. You know the sad thing, brethren and sisters, is for most Christians when they think of Philippians 4 and 19, that's just how far they go. They never get beyond the money. They never get beyond the financial. But there's much, much, much more here in the promise. You have many more needs in daily life than those financial needs. You think of your spiritual needs. Wouldn't it be true to say that they're perhaps our greatest needs? You need grace for every day. All the challenges, all the trials of life. We need the continual cleansing of the Saviour's blood. We need guidance in all our circumstances, all the decisions, great and small. We need the teaching, the ministry of God's word. We need to be taught 
and built up in the faith laid on in the things of God. We need the peace of God in our hearts. All those trying situations that trouble us, fill our hearts with fear and anxiety. And we need the blessing of God. There's a sense in which it is true to say that we have no greater need day by day than to know the blessing of God upon our lives and the blessing of God upon our labours, our spiritual needs. They're included in the promise as well. You think of your physical needs. Some of you are weak. Some of you are sick. Some of you have experienced ill health. Some of you are experiencing infirmities that bring great limitations to your life and to your daily routine. Some of you are experiencing pain, nothing that wears you down like continual, ongoing pain. You're in need of strength, maybe in need of the healing touch of God. Well, those physical needs are included in the promise too. You think of what we could call your emotional needs. Some are sad, some they grieve, like Dr. Chapman, uh, the loss of friends and loved ones. There are some who, who hurt, they have been wounded. There are some who are depressed and cast down. They're in need of comfort, they're in need to be lifted up. Well, those emotional needs are included in the promise too. You think of what we could call your mental needs. We lack wisdom. We're in need of understanding. We're in need of light, instruction uh, from the Lord. We need, like Solomon, for the Lord to give us a wise and an understanding heart. Well, that's included in the promise too. So here, brethren and sisters, is just a little of the scope of God's provision. All of your need. Not some of it, not most of it. Not the things that are easiest, not the things that are smallest. He promises, he pledges to supply all your need. Can I point out to you, can I emphasize the word that's used? It says that he'll supply all your need, not your greed. Remember, there's a big difference between the two. If you look at that 16th verse again, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. The things that are necessary, just focus on that. The Lord will provide for us the things that are necessary for us to live and for us to labor for him here upon this earth. Some of the things that we want the Lord to provide, if we're honest, are not needs at all. We need to see that, need to recognize that, need to confess it. Some of the things that we want the Lord to provide for us are only the desires of a, a greedy and a covetous heart. He promises to supply all your need according to his riches and glory. So that's the scope of the provision. The final thing I'll emphasize is the size of the provision. The end of the text according to his riches and glory uh, by Christ Jesus. We need to dwell on those words. We need to ponder them very carefully. Mr. Spurgeon, in his message on Philippians 4.19, said, The preacher may sit down now, for he cannot compass this part of the text. God's riches and glory that, men and women, is something that is beyond our thought. It's beyond the comprehension of our 
a finite level minds. Many years ago, the Spanish ambassador said to the French ambassador, my master's treasure house has no bottom. He was referring there to the vast wealth at that time of the Mexican mines. Well, that's really the message here, men and women. Our master's treasure house has no bottom. There is a limit, there is an end to what you can give. There's even an end to what governments can give. You think of the amount of debt of your own nation, the amount of debt even of our nation in the United Kingdom. There's a limit even to what governments give. But just think of it today, brethren and sisters. There is no limit to what God can give. Just take that in. Pray the Lord to write it on your heart. When Paul was writing to the Ephesian believers, he spoke about unsearchable riches. Is that word unsearchable? Is that idea? It, it can't be calculated. It can't be fully understood. It can never be fully fathomed. And it is true of God's provision for us spiritually, unsearchable riches. And it's true of God's provision for us physically as well. The psalmist said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The fullness of all the earth's resources, the fullness of all the earth's wealth, it's his. Let me emphasize that to you today. You know, in those African countries, there's a great push by some of the other superpowers of the earth, countries like China, that they, they want to try and get control of some of those countries, are they? Uh, they want to get into a controlling position because of all the resources, the oil, the gas, the diamonds, uh, the minerals. But remember, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The psalmist said, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I come from a farming background. <coughs> Farmers like to tell you how many cattle they have, like to boast a wee bit about the numbers. It's good to remember that they're his. He owns them. He's just loaned them to some farmers down here below for the period of their lifetime. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There was a Bible college. It's a story that Dr. Ironside used to like to tell. A Bible college here in the United States. They, ha they had got into a position where they needed some financial support. So they did the right thing. They, they called a prayer meeting. Got the the lecturers, the students, the supporters all together. And they presented this need before the Lord. In that prayer meeting, one man prayed using the words of the psalmist, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Just sell a few of your cattle and meet our need here in the Bible college. Well, they didn't realize that that day there was a, a rancher in town, a, a believer, a man that knew the Lord, he was in town to sell a few of his cattle and he had been praying for a few days that the Lord would guide him as to where he would give his tithe of the money that he would make from the sale of those, or the sale of those cattle. So that day, in answer to their prayers, the Lord laid that Bible college upon that dear brother's heart. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So here, men and women, is the size of God's riches the size of God's provision. 
I, I want you to go from the meeting this morning encouraged to know you can face the future. You can face the future, whatever it holds, and whatever circumstances it will bring. You can face every day that lies ahead, however great the need may be, because of this fact, God's provision for you will never end. And God's provision for you will never be exhausted. Let me finish just with this thought. Mr. Moody, there's a little book that you can buy, the notes from the Bible of D.L. Moody. Mr. Moody, when he studied, uh, when he did his daily devotionals, he used a wide margin Bible. He would write down notes every day. So after his death, someone took his Bible, typed up all of the notes, and they, they published them in a very profitable little volume. Beside Philippians 4.19, he takes up this idea of the blank check that the Lord gives to us here in this text. And this is how he sets it out. The firm is my God. Many firms going bankrupt. That'll never be true of God's firm. My God. The promise, doesn't the check always say promise to pay? Well, the promise on this check is shall supply. Think of the amount. Sometimes when you get a check, that's the first thing to look at. See what amount was written on it. Well, the amount is all your need. What a blessing that is. The capital, you need a little bit of money in the bank if you're going to write a check. Or your check will become what they call in our country a rubber check. It will bounce. So you need a wee bit of capital in the bank. I had a younger brother, died at 17 with muscular dystrophy. He, uh, he would say to our mother, he maybe wanted mommy to get him something. And, he, and she would say, well, we can't afford that son. He would just say, well, mommy, write a check. He didn't realize he needed a wee bit of money in the bank when you wrote a check. So the capital is his riches. It's not a subject worthy of our consideration. His riches. The address of the bank, if you need to make an inquiry, if you have some questions, you need to know where to go, well, the address of the bank is in glory. And then the signature, no check, doesn't matter how big, even if it's written for a million dollars, no check is of any value to you if you don't have the right signature at the bottom of the check. And the signature on this check is the most precious signature that is possible. Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus our Lord. So here, brethren and sisters, the Lord, just like that banker that came to see Mr. Chapman, slipped a blank check into his hand. You hold today a blank check in your hand from the Lord himself. And all that's left for you to do is by faith to claim it and to endorse it. When I was growing up in Northern Ireland, it used to be you could take a check into a shop or into maybe one of the filling stations, the garages where you bought what we call petrol, what you call gas. And you could take the check in and if you signed your name on the back of it and give it to the cashier, they would give you in return whatever amount was written on that check. So you, you endorsed the check. And that's what the Lord wants you to do with this check, with this promise. Claim it and personally endorse it. Claim it yourself personally in the meeting today. So the promise, men and women, of his provision. And if you're here 
in the meeting uh, the day without Christ. Can I impress upon you the great truth that the Lord has provided our greatest need. <coughs> the greatest need is the need of our souls, the need of salvation, the need of Christ as our Saviour. And he has provided that greatest of need for you. So if you've never experienced his salvation, if you've never known the forgiveness of your sins, if you've never received Christ as your Saviour, I, I implore you, I plead, plead with you to do that even before you go home from the house of God uh, today. The promise of provision. He says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. May the Lord make his word a blessing and an encouragement to all of your hearts uh, today. Just a little word of prayer as we close. Father, we thank you for the time we've spent in your house. Thank you for coming together, the opportunity to sit at your feet, uh, to hear your word. We want to pray that you'll speak uh, through your word today. We can say with the prophet, you've spoken with good words, with comfortable. We thank you for the encouragement uh, of the scriptures. We thank you for the sureness of the promise of God's word. Lord, we ask that you'll write this promise upon every heart. Strengthen the hands of your people here. Encourage each one uh, for the week and even for the remainder of this year uh, that lies uh, before us. We pray like Mary, Father. Remember, she pondered all these things in her heart. We pray that through this week that we'll take the opportunity just to, to sit and ponder afresh the great truths contained within the, this promise of your word. We commit ourselves now into your hands. As we leave the house of God, we pray for journeying mercies uh, homeward. And we ask, Father, that you'll part us in thy fear, with thy favour, and may the blessing of the triune God, the blessing of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be our abiding portion, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.